Welcome to the Don't Die podcast, sponsored by Aloe Treatment Centers. They're out in Malibu. They're in Silver Lake. It's a treatment center I started with some friends. We want you to get the right treatment, the right program for you, and stop dying. Stop dying, Chuck. That is okay. the deal. Okay. You get it? You get I'm it? There. That's the whole thing. All right, Chuck, have you stopped dying yet? Uh, you know, I, I believe I have for the time being. I didn't even age today. Just for today. If you, want to, even... if, if you want to quote Charles Bukowski, we're all dying. It's just a matter of how many more days left. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that's absolutely true. So, you know, and uh, Bob Dylan, didn't Bob Dylan have the, those not being born, be, busy being born or busy dying? Bob now, Dylan. hold it. Hold it. Chuck Dukowski, Charles Dukowski, did he, uh, did he quit drinking at the end? Yeah, he quit drinking the last couple of years. And then Lou Reed died sober. Lou Reed was sober for 30 years. Yeah. Hello, I'm I'm Lou. I'm your alcoholic secretary. No way. I can't even yes. imagine being in a meeting like that. That'd 19, be nuts. 1991 blew my mind. Didn't stop me from taking drugs that night, Chuck. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay to blow the anonymity of dead people, right? I, I think it is. I yeah, think, I think it, it is. at this point. We live in a cesspool of a society. I think there's no such thing as privacy. <laughs> but what I wanted to tell you guys, okay, so Chuck, you got to hear this thing. I'm so here. I'm going to confess right now. Uh-oh. Did I haven't listened to a Don't Die podcast in over a year and a half, probably. <laughs> so I hadn't heard it since like the first 20 or 30, right? And I was like, ah, it's good. It's good enough. That's all right. We'll just keep doing it. So I hadn't listened to any of them because I don't like listening to myself talk and I'm scared I'm going to say something stupid and whatever. So I don't listen to them and I don't get a lot of feedback by them because I don't think Evan listens to them. Mike never tells me listens to them. And a lot of my, you know, who does listen sometimes is Pete Weiss. I know that he has made comments at me about things I've said. You know what he said, which was really good advice, Chuck. What's that? And I took it. And I have made an effort to not do it anymore. He said that I always say some outrageous thing. And I say to you, right, Chuck? Like, if you don't agree with me, if you don't agree with me, you're stupid. And he pointed that out, how unfair that he said, how unfair that is to your co-host. <laughs> and I listened, and this is Pete Weiss, a guy who was at war with my whole life. And I listened, I was like, I do do that. And it That's is funny. And it, it, it's like, it's like co-host bullying, right? You either agree with me or you're a fucking idiot. Oh right? Right? I, Am I right? I, I, yeah, I better agree. Yes, Bob, you sure are right. But the last <laughs> couple months, I haven't done it as much for sure. And I, and so anyways, fast forward to yesterday. I get this call. Hey, has there been Don't Die's posted? Because I haven't seen one since February 15th. So I call Mike. He says, yeah, they're posted. I go, no, they're not. Somebody told me they're not. He says, yes, they are. I go online. I can't find anything online. And, uh, <laughs> and I don't know what Apple Podcasts is. I just keep searching my music library, typing in Don't Die Podcast. I'm like, it's not up. It's not here. This is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I, I finally, he, Mike emailed it to me. Then I forwarded it to my friend who said there wasn't one posted. And there had been some posted. You just got to know where to look or I don't know what to Google or They're something. They're all over the place. It's like coffee. It's like 
most of my friends are not on Facebook. They're not like going around trying to find podcasts on podcast networks. It, so th that's beside the point. So I listened to our pod, our last podcast, the podcast about me pooping at the park. I listened yeah. to the whole thing yesterday. I was laughing out loud. It was a really good podcast. We've become a really good podcast. Yes. Thank you. Awesome, man. Is it I, didn't, I had no idea. I thought it was just as, you know, kind of unfocused as it was a year and a half ago. But, but we really have figured something out here. So that leads me to my next uh, agenda item. There are 2,000 of you listening to this right now. You need to email or forward this podcast to one of your friends because we need to grow this audience because you know what, Chuck? This podcast is fucking good. It is funny. Nice. It is fucking good. <laughs> I, I'm the last one to know, Chuck. I'm the last one to know. You guys at home got to understand Bob. Bob, has, Bob thinks we're live right now. <laughs> That's how tech savvy, Bob. Well, whatever. However it works, we no, need to get more people you. listening to this. We're gonna wait while you guys do this at home. No, this is a great podcast. <laughs> well, that's that should be Tell the title your of this one. Friends, you <laughs> Tell your why friends. Why are you keeping it a secret? I listen. I and Bill Burr is one of my favorite people. Oh, he cracks and I listen. Me out. I listen to his podcast. We're we're kind of like you know in Bob's world. Now I've, it's torturing me that only 2,000 people are what, listening to one of the greatest podcasts going. This is fucked up. This is ridiculous. It's another sign of how stupid America is. Oh, no wonder. Yeah, but my, like this, this young guy, Max, and this other guy, Nathan, they're always telling me how great this thing is. And I just think they're blowing smoke. You know how like, <laughs> when, you, when you know, and I go, you guys are too young to be listening to three old guys argue about shit. You really need to get a life. And then every once in a while, I'll get a text so from one of these young guys. And it'll be like, dude, was just listening. Last night was awesome. And I was like, well, I don't even know what we talked about. Because like your friends, unless Mike tags me in the post, I don't even know another one's been released. Because I've limited, I've limited my um, on-screen time to 15 minutes a day for Facebook and 15 minutes a day for Instagram. And so it's not like I just scroll through and look for things. If it doesn't show up in my feed, I miss it. Well, let me tell you this though. So now this puts extra pressure on us because we've got something really special and cool and we're fucking it up because nobody's hearing it, Chuck. We've oh, got to no. get it out to people. So I want okay. anybody who's listening right now, please, right now, we're going to take a break. We're going to sit here and wait. Everybody just wait a second. <laughs> Take your time. Think of a friend of yours that would like this podcast and send it to him, forward it to him right now and, <laughs> and text a little thing underneath. Like you got to listen. I think you'll like this or whatever. Or you got to listen to this. So, so we need, so, we need like Brandy Cruz and those people to get out there. The mama Troy's and those people. Now get let's it out get there. back to the show. That was the All promo right. for the back show. Now the we got to get back to the show. I had the saddest news today. I think I've told this story about this sweet, sweet man who was the drummer of a band called Poison Idea. Do you know this band? I They're know who Poison Idea is. Hardcore yeah. punk rock yeah. band, right? I, like I, had the, I had the honor and privilege of kind of uh, meeting him in the 90s and helping him get, get treatment. And he's the sweetest guy. And, you know, Poison Idea is kind of a scary-looking band. They're kind of yeah. funny. They're hardcore punk What's rock. What's that dude's name? Pig something or another? Their singer? Steve, He's fantastic. Yeah, Steve was the drummer. 
I think. And, uh, and anyway, so I was, I was, I was just touched by this guy. So this guy is like, he's wearing a, you know, big jean jacket with poison idea on the back. and He's huge. And he looks scary. Like he beats people up for a living and all this kind of stuff. And I, <laughs> though I've always associated with punk rock, I never have been quite a punk rocker. Chuck, do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. I'm not. You've, you've I, hit there. I, 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 I respect punk rock. I like it. I told this story to Paul Tillette the other day. He was talking about Fenders. And I said, you know, I got to be honest with you. I didn't really go to Fenders. I just went to the supermarket next door and kind of hung out near my car. Because <laughs> I was scared to go inside. <laughs> I was scared of people like this drummer from Poison Idea. And, okay. and, and the RI and, and uh, uh, you know, they were from Suicidal was fucking scary. Scary okay. man. Scary thing to go see in 1983. Trust me fucking scary so and uh and so you know i've always been a little kind of scared of punk rockers on a certain level like i'm not scared of the germs or pat smear or something like that like they're musicians but the fans are kind of scary of the original 80s like the circle jerks fans are fucking scary the people that used to come up to keith when we'd be out eating or something like they're kind of fucking scary they look like they just got out of prison <laughs> yeah. so so uh so this guy looks all tough and I, I'm going to drive him somewhere and I'm driving him and I had Coldplay's first album in my car <laughs> and he, he said, oh, I love this record. Uh, uh, and, he, and he put it on the song Yellow and he sang okay. along with the song Yellow by Coldplay in my car. And I'm thinking, this is like the king of fucking Great Northwest hardcore punk and he's singing along with Coldplay. And it was a big moment for me to realize, like, pe people aren't what they seem. People's insides are different than their outsides. Just, you know, because I was, like, new to life and trying to figure shit out. I just found out today that he passed away. And it's so sad. And it's so fucked up. And it's just, I'm so sick of people dying of drugs. I'm so sick of people dying young, young you know, beyond, before their time. Yeah, I'm so sick of it. Yeah. I, I just can't tell you. Like, it's just, it's just so fucked up. It just really is. And, and that's what this podcast was inspired by. Like this, I'm just so sick of it. I got so, when I was working day to day, 12 hours a day in rehab, I just, it just, and Chuck, you do it. It's just mm -hmm. overwhelming how many people you've met in the last six months that die. And, um, and I've been, been a bad for, year too. Yeah. I've been saying it for 10 years. Like nobody's really getting what we're talking about. Children are dying. Parents are burying their children constantly in this country. 180 every fucking day. Wow, and man. yet nobody really thinks it's like a big deal. And I always, I've been saying it since when the celebrity rehab was on, you know, if 180 people were dying every day from E. coli bacteria from Jack in the box tacos, they would close down every Jack in the box in America. Mm -hmm. But 180, 180 people die year. of drugs, 180 people die of uh, fentanyl and Oxycontin. They're just like, yeah, well, they do it to themselves, don't they? Doesn't the person eating the taco do it to themselves? <laughs> you know, they, yeah. This is this. That's what's what's screwed up is that they, you know, not a lot of people die immediately post treatment, but the people that die a little later on, we've uh, 
we have to keep a list of those people so we don't send stuff to the house. Like, oh my God, having this oh. alumni thing, you know, maybe you want to log on. So hey, to look at the see, list. Yeah, last, you didn't see it last February's alumni group. How are you doing? You still yeah. okay? You still know, sober? so it's like, still sober. Some moms reading that six months later after she yeah. died. Oh my so, God. So I was like, I was looking at that and just going, this is just okay. You know, we talk a lot about numbers. Like we say a lot of things, but every once in a while, there's just a sobering moment where you go, okay. And fortunately, I'm in one of my um, upswings again, where it's just like, well, you know what? We're, we're just going to do the best with what we can here instead of looking at it and going, well, it's hopeless. Just to go. No, okay. I don't think it's ho- I don't think it's hopeless. But it 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 used to be like, you know, I'm trying to think. Of, Map had a really high success rate, and I was in charge of assessing and doing all the all the documentation of it. And I think we were at like 30 percent success rate, right? And you got to figure half those people are lying. So one and a half. So <laughs> so say two people out of ten get sober and stay sober for more than a year, right? Back okay. in 1997 or whatever. So, but two people, I guarantee you, in all the years I worked at Map and Music Cares, two other people didn't die out of that group of 10. No, no way. Like only, you know, one quarter of 1% of the people died in that year. Now you're, I swear to God, I think we're running at 50 50. Exactly what all the literature in NA and AA says. You're either going to get sober or you're going to die. That, that, that literally is starting to happen the last five, 10 years. You can see it. I know as many kids that die as I know succeed and stay sober and get a life. It's, it seems like yeah. it's almost 50-50. It's probably more I don't, I, toward. I, I don't know that it's that high, but I, yeah, it feels but that yeah, way. Yeah, that's what it, feel, it just feels that way when it's just like it's hit after hit after hit after hit. When it's, I wonder how they're doing. And you, you go, sometimes, uh, you know, you'll hear something about somebody and you go to check their Facebook or their Instagram and it's, it's down or it's gone or there's all these condolences and love you forever, gone too soon. And it's just so, uh, I, I don't know. I don't, I'm glad I'm not becoming numb to it, but I certainly I'm have not, become I'm more not, accustomed to it. It's I'm certainly, not it's not numb to it. I'm, I'm, I'm not accepting it. It's unacceptable. We right, have so to do <laughs> something about it. And whether that's look at the, the, whether, whether some of the ideas we have in the 12 step community are a little outdated and maybe modernize a little bit, maybe open our minds up a little bit. Like we claim to have the, all these open minds. Um, maybe, maybe, and I've been saying it and I fought against it for years, but I'm right. I'm at that place where maybe sober, the sober that I am, isn't w- the, the relative, isn't what sober needs to be. Like, you know, it'll be, you know, five days, six days from now. On the 16th, I'll have 25 years. I've been taking a Valium. I haven't drank a beer. I haven't uh, had surgery and been on opiates to uh, under a doctor's prescription. I have taken fucking nothing. Nothing. Not for oral surgery. Not for car accident. Not nothing. Not for a sciatic nerve so bad I couldn't walk for a week nothing. I have taken nothing in 25 years. I think that's a little rigid, Chuck. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. I, I think that might be a little, a thing of the past. I mean, but don't maybe. you think, don't you think it works for some, some 
people like i i'm comfortable with my sobriety completely i i don't yeah no i don't want i don't want to i do i do i i don't even question my beliefs about it i just don't take anything that's it it's not a big deal it's not i'm not i'm not like a big dogmatic person about it i don't initially i didn't want to take stuff because i've had fucked up teeth and i've all these surgeries and posts and all this shit and i didn't want to do it when I got my first oral surgery when I was a year sober, because I was scared of the meds, like what's going to happen if I take the meds, I'm no longer scared of the meds. I just don't want it. I don't need it. People right. don't need opiates. They, they really don't. This idea that because you injured your back, you need to be on opiates. Let's call fucking bullshit. Bullshit. That's fucking bullshit. Right. My yeah. dad, my dad was in world war two and he's fucking crippled and walking around all hunched over. He didn't go to a fucking doctor and get heroin. He didn't. And he lived a fine life and he played golf and whatever. And he did what he did. This idea that you're supposed to feel 18 years old your entire life. is No, bullshit. but didn't your dad drink? Yeah, he drank. He bought a bar. <laughs> really? He bought a bar so he could drink at his own bar. <laughs> yeah. So Was he self-medicating for all his body pains and war injuries yeah. and shit? Was that so, what he was doing? So that that's where I, I kind of stay out of other people's business, even people that I know in 12-step. In I stay out of their business because I know like when I had my appendix out or when I uh, had to have my distal bicep tendon reattached, those aren't things you just throw an ibuprofen on. Um, but right, I, I get it. I get it. But, I get it. And you're, the, you're, the talking, idea that, you're telling your truth, right? Yeah, that's your it, truth. And, so and, and I don't try to universalize it because it's not everybody's. I know that everybody's pain tolerance. I've had my nose broken three times and I had to have it fixed once. And people are talking about how that's the worst pain they ever knew. And I didn't think it was that bad. So it's but like, what I'm saying is we have a society where things are different now. Everybody's on meds all the time. That's what I'm oh, saying. Yeah. I'm a Absolutely. dinosaur. I'm, I'm not saying you're wrong. You're more kind of down the middle. I would think that that's more the standard now. But what I'm saying is, can't kids just smoke pot and consider themselves being sober as long as they don't die of fentanyl? In my opinion, absolutely at this point. Absolutely. What you're saying is we have a 12-step program that says abstinence is the thing. There's no other way, which is not true for everybody, but it's only but it is true for me and you and yeah. Chuck. And that's the, and that's what I was taught. I don't know that it's true for most of the people that say it's true for. I know it's true for me. I don't even know that it's true for you, Mike. Right. I know that Chuck is being forward about, yeah, I took medications because I had this surgery and I had that surgery. I think that's a more healthy way of doing it. I think there's a, I just know for a fact I have taken nothing, but I know right. lots of my friends say that. And that's not true because they're strict. They're just adhering to the dogma of the AA they got indoctrinated into. Right? right. So they probably right. feel ashamed and they don't want people to know. I know that was part of Hal's thing. That, that definitely, you know, that, that you don't want people to know it's none of their business. A lot of times the new pain management doctors will tell you, Hey, you're sober. Don't, you know, you don't tell your, you don't need to tell everybody in that AA your business. That's a slippery slope. That's if I couldn't tell slope. people, I, I wouldn't do it. I mean, that's a big part of it. If people wanted to talk like one-on-one -on -one about that, that's what I tell them is you, you come clean. Otherwise you do feel like you're doing something wrong and you're harboring a secret. And then why not eat two instead of one? Why not eat three more? The other side of it is the hard line. 
people who tell people that they don't need any meds at all and they have deep psychological problems. They go off their meds and then they end up suiciding or getting loaded again and dying. Yeah, exactly. And because all that's I, not, that's all not I'm our trying business. to do is say, I don't take anything. I've been diagnosed. No, but I think the truth matters. And all I say to people is, I was diagnosed gravely emotionally disturbed when I was 13 years old. I've been diagnosed bipolar, major depression. I've been on every kind of medicine since 1974. I take nothing. I deal with life on the natural. I fucking learned different coping skills. I, I learned, you know, kind of how my cycles work. I've learned about my suicidal kind of cycle. It's about every three months. Sometimes it's light to moderate. Sometimes it's severe. I know there's different coping strategies, different, different levels of my wanting to kill myself, right? Major one is talking about it to somebody or everybody. There's, some, you know, I've pretty much talked about my suicide uh, kind of tendency for a couple of years now all the time. It's freeing that everybody knows that I think like that. Okay, I don't feel ashamed of thinking like that. Have, you, have you ever been schizoaffective or had any schizophrenic disorder that like, cause that's what I'm talking about. The heavy, heavy, like yeah, the, you're talking about, you're talking about less than 1% of the population when 20% of the population is on psychiatric meds. So I, I, I will defend, I will defend some of the people that say, you know, do oh, the, the, I don't think I, I don't know a lot of AA people that are anti schizophrenics taking schizophrenia medicine. I think you're making an argument that's not true. I don't think I am. What I do believe is people tell uh, people that say they have an ADHD, adult ADHD that are taking, you know, uh, 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 Adderall that they don't need Adderall. I've seen that a thousand times. But I've really never seen this mythological AA person that tells a schizophrenic they shouldn't take their schizophrenia medicine, their Depakote or their, or their, I've never seen it. I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but that's the argument a lot of clinicians make about AA. And I've just never seen it. I have seen a lot of people okay, say, you don't need, you don't need Lexapro. You don't need this bullshit antidepressants. You don't need, you certainly don't need. Uh, pharmaceuticals meth and you know in Adderall and and uh, and uh, what's the other one? Um, I've seen a lot of anti medicines in the generalized anxiety depression you know area. I, I, see, I've never heard it said like that. I've always heard you don't need any medication. The first three years, I was I was around all those people. So I mean, and the people aren't doctors, and the people aren't diagnosing. And I have a real hard time with people universalizing their experience. Like there was the guy. That well, was but the doctors. Head. Here's another thing: doctors don't know shit, Chuck. You know that. I, and I understand that, but I told we've been down that road. We actually agreed on that. We, uh, but the idea that because like the guy who was the head guy at Dog on the Roof because. Because he didn't need anything, he expected nobody needed anything. And that's, that's, that's different. That's just narcissism. But I'm right. saying I've been diagnosed with all these things. I've been on lots of different medications. Probably I tried to go back and look. There was a lot of really primal meds I was on as a kid that don't exist anymore. I wasn't on Thorazine, but there was another thing like Thorazine. Well, you missed out. 
there was there was another drug like that in the mid 70s that i was on and i remember it, it made my it made my mouth really dry and it made white shit cake around my mouth remember that shit <laughs> and I, you know, and when you're 14, you're like so conscious of everything. People say, you got white shit around your lips. I'd be like, oh, fuck. How did I not see that? How did I let them see that? Right. So I remember I was on a med that I guess that's dehydrating is something. Yeah, that would that would be that. Is Just that like with public the white speakers that don't know what they're they're not used to it. They get the white stuff in the corners of their mouth. Yeah. What is the white stuff? If anybody can. Do you know, Mike, can you Google that? What is the white shit that kicks around your lips when you're on drugs? I don't think that's on Google. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think that's probably... Uh, <laughs> the, the only uh, the only un-Googleable Googleable thing. Exactly. What, what is how, that white... But you know what I'm saying? So I'm like in... I just so Googled I, it. So I what have, causes that? Medications cause that, it, right? It causes... It's from um, being dehydrated. Oh. Well, okay. So... so I was on that med. I was on phenobarbital as a kid, like eight years old. I was on, I was on, and then the modern things of Paxil I was on. I remember they gave me like three meds at this one rehab called the Beverly Hills Recovery Center. Um, and I didn't like two of them. So I just stayed on one. And I imagine I was, that's when I was out of my mind. That's when Mike and I were in a band together. I think the thing I liked was speed. I think it was like Adderall. So <laughs> I've got a question. Do they have actual methan um, pharmaceutical methamphetamine? Not methamphetamine, well, just amphetamines. Amphetamine, but 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 I mean, it makes you feel good. Here's another thing I was thinking. I know there's, and, and this is going to be a random fucking idea that we're getting off topic, but that's part of the charm of it all. Uh, so... <laughs> There's always like really miserable old people. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> more than here? Or there's more than just these three? <laughs> no, like, you know, like in the political world, like all the, oh. all the obstructionists and all the angry Bernie Sanders and Mitch McConnell and all, and all their ilk, right? All, and, they, and they're all around me here in Claremont and, you know, Laverne and, and, uh, and there's, just a lot of anger and miserableness amongst upper middle class white males, I've noticed, by the way, Chuck. Do you know what I'm talking about? There's probably some of that splashed down there in Huntington Beach, right? Especially at the RV store. There's a <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the RV store. I tell you. So you, are you, am I insane or are you not seeing it? They should all be on high dose benzos. They'll all fucking love life if they just because say you're like, say you're like 78. How much longer you got left? Like eight years? Just be on benzos for eight years. You'll have a dream of a life. You'll be so happy and don't all the take time. Take them as prescribed. Take more if you need take more. more. <laughs> take more than prescribed. <laughs> right. But but don't you I'm not, you think I'm kidding? Don't you think a splash of like Xanax would help these people, Chuck? Haven't you I think seen that's the where miracle? THC Haven't gummies. Haven't you seen the miracle of Xanax? <laughs> THC gummies and grandma's candy drawer wouldn't hurt her yeah, one bit. I, I think that's too strong for them i think they would like they would like like you know like a, a i've never half, had a xanax half, so half i don't even know what they do have you had uh uh, uh diazepam yeah diazepam Valium? well it takes yeah. like one one it takes like 10 diazepam to equal one xanax what? so imagine so imagine 10, like 10, 10 milligram volumes 
or 10, five milligram. Yeah, I guess. Well, no, we used to get the 0.5 diazepams. Mike, were you, were you a part of this? Were you privy to this? Get Did it have chance. the V cut out of the middle? No, it was just, it was nothing. It was like a pill. It was like a Mexican medallion. Wow. And they uh. sold them at this bakery that sold like Mexican <laughs> pastries. <laughs> oh, I do remember that. Me and Martin used to go in there and buy like 40 of them for 40 bucks. They were a dollar each, I remember. And I remember I'd been on this long crack run, like Gibby had come to town. And we're like, and he, then he left. So it's probably like two days with him and then another day. And I ended up at Martine's house on day four, keep smoking crack. And I'm just in another reality that I can't escape. And then I remembered that the, the bakery was right walkable from his house. <laughs> the bakery. The bakery. And I walked down there and I remember I had $11. And I wanted a pastry, right? <laughs> and I said, and I, I'll never forget, the pastry was like $1.29. And I said, listen, will you sell me 10 of the pills and the pastry for $11? And the guy said, okay, yeah, okay. And so I get 10 of those and I'm eating the pastry and I ate all 10 of them with the pastry I because I thought I got to put something in my stomach. So I would... Take a bite of the Mexican pastry. Then I'd take like two of the diazepams. And then I and then I had a beer with me. I was drinking beer, eating the pastry, drinking the Xanax uh, or the diazepams. I took 10. It, I'm, let me tell you something. It was either that pastry or the fact that I'd been up for four days. But for like four hours, Chuck, I hit the bliss mark. I was in bliss. <laughs> I was in perfection. I felt so happy and good and optimistic and loving. And it was, a, you know, it was just like, it was like heaven. And so, nice. so, so don't you think a lot of these angry old people could use some bliss? Yeah, they should sell all that <laughs> shit at the bakery. Every, every bakery should be carrying that shit, man. I'm telling you, I, do, I just really think that drugs have a value and they're being misused. Young people should be out, you know, discovering the world. Warren has said this before, and I've started saying it for uh, two decades. You need to fucking hit the road. You need to now you can't hitchhike anymore because everybody's scared of Ted Bundy or something. But I always say, like, you should just drive east. You should just fucking go to discover America. Go see the Grand Canyon. Go to Taos, New Mexico and just get out and pee by the side of the road and look at the stars. Go and see these some kids, stuff. Yeah. They never do it. They never fucking do it. Yeah. Very few. It's not a thing to do. Yeah, you're right. Packing up all your shit in your fucking car and driving east. Oh and no! Just, I think I, I think that would be wonderful because all these kids have only seen Florida and California. Because <laughs> that's, uh, that's where the airline tickets come from. Yeah. That's where the, yeah. the airline tickets come from. Yeah. Oh my God! Well, they you really know they have... say, Bob. They Bob. They say that travel is the enemy of bigotry and hate. You know? And have you ever heard that? And I it know, is because if one. you if you go places and you see people, that the news amplifies everything so big, everybody's afraid to go anywhere. But if you get out and you see people and you meet people, people are nice. A lot of people are actually nice. Oh, and different cultures. <laughs> I always tell this story about Brazil. Like the only thing before I went to Brazil in whatever it was, 2012 or something. The only thing I knew about Brazil was that movie City of God. You ever seen that movie? Yeah, yeah, that was rough. That's yeah. that's fucking scary shit. That movie. 
<laughs> so I'm I'm going there on a job, and I'm going down there to an acquaintance of mine, and going to help him with the, with a you know family member he had. And I remember we landed in Rio de Janeiro, and you, when you're driving in from the airport, it's like through the most poverty-stricken parts of Rio, and there's yeah. like they're literally like apartment buildings with no windows on them with a cow tied up in the front. It's yeah. fucking yes. frightening. And then ironically, I went back there a year later, right before the world cup and they had built these big fences. So you couldn't see the poverty from the airport. Nice. <laughs> We've got a problem here. Poverty. That's a way to get rid of poverty. Just put a big fence up so nobody can see it. <laughs> there's, only, there's only two classes in Brazil. There's lower class and there's upper class. That's it. There's no middle class. Yeah. But I was so shocked at how kind everyone was. I went to the Farbellas. I went to the actual Farbella that that City of God was filmed in. People were so kind and helped. It, it was kids playing football and soccer in the streets. And yeah, and, you know, all the houses are bootlegged electricity. And it's, but the views from up there, up where City of God was filmed, it's amazing. I mean, Rio is one of the most cool cities and I couldn't get over like how there was this whole 2 million uh, people kind of poverty area right next to the wealthiest part of Rio de Janeiro. And everybody just kind of interacted all the people that, that you went to the Farvelas, And now I guess they, they Airbnb the Farvelas. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're like, <laughs> Can you imagine for like Rock and Rio? You like, and I just thought like everything I thought about Brazil is not true. And you know, Bob, when you get down to the south of Brazil, which is actually the north, because because it gets colder as you go south farther, like like Curitiba and Porto Alegre and stuff like that, it gets nicer, and the people are just farm people. It's just so nice once you get out of the city there. You know, lots of people are happy all over the world. That's what most of the people I know that take their first trips abroad, they come back and they go, Spain is so cool, Portugal is so cool, Greece is so cool, I got to move. You know, and it's just like, these are people that you would have thought would have never wanted to. And here's the thing about it. So, so in the point I'm trying to make, and then I had gone to Costa Rica to kick dope one time in the eighties and, and people were so kind there. The English, the English go to Rio in the sun, in the winter because it's summer in Rio. So you got all these rich rock star musician types retired. I met Dave Mason there. I've met a bunch of like great musician, English musicians who kind of have houses in, in Rio de Janeiro. And they go there in the wintertime because they want to get away from England. And so you have the, the wealthiest, most affluent part and the poorest of the poor living right next to each other, walking down the same streets together. And everybody's kind of cool. And everybody's, you know, I don't know how to say it, just good in spirit, right? Then you come back to America and the, and the wealthiest, most affluent people in Huntington Beach, Laguna, Claremont, they're all angry and miserable. It's shocking. <laughs> It's really jaw-dropping, isn't it, Chuck? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> there he went. He did it again. <laughs> I, just, I said a different word. I didn't say right, Chuck. I said, isn't it, Chuck? <laughs> I, I see angry people of all shapes and sizes. I mean, well, yeah. I'm sure. But I'm, I'm, not, sure, I'm yeah. not being prejudiced against, but really, what does somebody that's net worth is $10 million, and they're, they, they're heading into the last five, six, ten years of their life, what do they really got to be angry about? 
Well, you know, the Jim Carrey quote was so great that it's like where he was saying, I wish everybody could get everything they ever wanted to see that it's not everything they thought it was. Yeah. Because it's not about things. And when we set our sights on material things and we reach those material goals and it doesn't fulfill us and we've lost sight of family and friends and things that are important, it's a hollow victory. You know, that's why so many people are just not, our goals are different here, you know, in, I'm sure in Rio de Janeiro, if, if a, a young lady comes home and says she's pregnant, there's a celebration, not a, how are you going to get through college? How are you going to make money? How are you going to be a doctor or marry a doctor with a kid in tow? We have wow, different- that's a good, that's a good point. It, it, it is really, it is, it is, it is more human in different parts of the world. Here, it's all about money. You're right. You're right. You're right. It is about money. And it, it's funny. Somebody said, I forget what the joke was, but somebody said, hey, you know, it's so fortunate that I get to do what I love for a living. And uh, uh, I forget who it was. It was this comedian, Jimmy something, this Chinese comedian. He said he told his dad, dad, I'm not I'm going to drop out of med school or something or economic school. I'm going to become a stand up comedian because it's what I love. And I think I can make a living at it. And the father said this for this immigrant Chinese, not even first generation. He said, that's not American. American is to do job, <laughs> to do job you hate to make a lot of money so you can be happy with the money. Uh, I swear to God, that sorry, is the American I, way. It's do certainly what we see. <laughs> it really is kind of like the core of our values is be suffer and be unhappy in order to achieve wealth so that the wealth will make you happy. And then it mm-hmm. doesn't. And you start point fingers, point fingers. Everybody's miserable. Everybody's angry. There's something to that, that our mm. value system is wrong, that it's not each other and that it's not familial. It's not mm-hmm. our children. It's whether our children graduate from colleges we like, and you saw it, not college scandal. Our, our, are those are that couple that went to jail, and I think the father is still in jail. Would their children be less if they went to a junior college? Would they be less, Chuck? Would they, oh, they be I, less, no. less I, beautiful, less wonderful, less? Would they love their children less if they didn't go to <laughs> SC? If they I, I didn't think, get into SC, would that change the way the parents feel about themselves and their children? I think so, based on who they on who they are and where their values are. How, you know, it was it was like how you know, broken is that? How broken a thinking is that? Did you it like right after? And I haven't seen it yet because I'm trying to figure out how to watch it. But the uh, Megan and uh, the Prince were talking to uh, Oprah about you know miscarriages of justice and negative things they've seen and everybody popped up with a billionaire celebrity and millionaire royals complaining about their problems it's like they don't count because they have enough money that they shouldn't see injustice or see where things are wrong or where people are being inhuman to people is that what that means you get enough money and you rise above all that stuff yeah it is wow it is i i wow i rarely learn things i just learned something yeah it is the 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 warped value system of America as a whole. It's Don't you think warped. that's a soul sickness? You've been talking about the soul sickness for a long time. Isn't that that? Isn't that? Yeah, at but the something root of it? about something about the way that you said that they they 
they don't celebrate that their daughter is going to have a baby and bring another, another person into the world. That's incredible. It's right away with the fear and the catastrophization of things. Yeah, this isn't going to work. It's never going to work. Now you fucked you up your whole life. Yeah, but, but having a child can fuck up your whole life. That is an American theme. That doesn't exist in other cultures. Maybe not, in not, China, if you have three kids, they say, <laughs> this is going to fuck up your whole life. I think they solved that problem for you. <laughs> if you <laughs> but but yeah. how horrible an idea is that? That shows you how we value children in this society. Even Japan, who's very focused on success, and I mean, to the point where some people are, who are not successful are in shame and they commit suicide. I mean, they're very focused on education and, and success. Having children is a blessing. It's the funnest thing. It, it reinvigorates your imagination. You're like every time Sid comes up with a new word. I said, I said a word today and she didn't know what it was. And then I, I just tell her, she goes, I said, well, yours, your, I forget what the word was. And she said, I don't know what that word is. What does it mean? And I told her, and she, you just saw her little computer go, got it. <laughs> now I know what that fucking word means. Next time yep. I hear that word, I'm going to know what that means. Yeah. Right? Like a little, yeah. and there was a little skip to her step. Like, I learned a new word. It's a big word. It's got like eight letters. It's fucking, <laughs> and I know, and I know what it means, bitches. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, you know, and, <laughs> and, and, and it's just so fun. And by the way, uh, you know, what, however you feel about politics, this I was talking to a friend of mine. This three thousand uh, dollar childcare tax credit, part of this Biden bill, is going to revolutionize America. People don't really realize what that little what what is three thousand divided by twelve two eighty a month. That's life changing money for a family because it's not like they're not already paying childcare, mm -hmm. but the difference between a $500 a month, throw your kid at somebody to watch them while you go to work and a $700 high quality preschool is rev. It, it will revolutionize child, the, the child welfare. It really will. That's $280 a month. We took Tristan and Sasha to this totally illegal. I call it throw them at them. Because Elvis, Elvis went to a Montessori school and I thought it was going to be some big education thing. And it was literally parents just running in and throwing their kids in there. Okay, bye. When I need to sign something, I got to go. I got to go. No, it, it was it was cool because she, she was Filipino and she said they'll learn Spanish too. And, um, and the learn Spanish from a <laughs> Filipino woman. Yeah. That's California, baby. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but, you know, so it's like, couldn't, we couldn't even afford because we were both working. We couldn't afford the high end daycare. So we went to people we knew that were struggling just like us and found a place where we could make ends meet and make it work. But what if you had 208, what if back then you had $280 a month extra? Oh yeah, that'd be wonderful. I mean, I was, I was, you know, I was making six fifty an hour in in nineteen ninety nine. It's just, it's just. I I think that's the best part of the bill, as you and I know. A lot of that fourteen hundred dollars a person in our neck of the woods is going to go to gambling websites, and you know, <laughs> like, like. I, I think I need story. another guitar because I'm not getting any better. I need another guitar. Yeah. To oh, you get, uh, yeah, yeah, everybody's getting. It. <laughs> I got to call Elijah and see what he's going to do with it. Because I know. Hookers and blow. Hookers and blow. 
No, he's not a hookers and blow guy. He's like a oh. waste money on his truck guy. He bought a truck for like five thousand bucks. I thought, wow, that's amazing. My son saved up five thousand bucks to buy a truck of four thousand bucks, and he did it. He didn't ask any help, and then it started breaking down. And I was like, holy moly! Like, and now he says he's put four into it. And I said, well, don't. He just was here a couple of days ago. I said, don't put any more money into the truck. And he goes, yeah, but the lights coming on, the differential switch in the back. I said, you know what? When I was when I was your age, I just I just put duct tape over the light things. Just put duct tape. Over. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because yeah. I said, because my thing is, if it still drives, ignore the little light that's on the dashboard. Oh, <laughs> no, yeah. you, well, other than like you don't have oil or you or you're overheating. I'm talking about in these computer cars, Mike. They got all these. All these like things get go wrong, like some little weird uh, differential switch thing or whatever, and your tire lights you just, on, just and you're this tape them off, <laughs> just tape over it. That's what I did when I <laughs> first got sober because it, it does with your teeth, Bob. <laughs> depending on your mood, that can make you feel suicidal. Well, for me, so <laughs> so say yeah. I go through a hard day and I don't because I was a delivery guy and say it's raining and I don't get that many deliveries and I'm depressed and I get in my car and I look at that thing and I, I just sometimes it would just be devastating. Like I'm such a loser. I can't, I don't even have a hundred bucks to fix this fucking thing in my car. So I put duct tape over it so I wouldn't see it and it worked. <laughs> I never got depressed and the car ran the car ran for like four more years with that light on, whatever the fuck it was. So yeah. I told Elijah that. I told, I told my son that. Don't spend any more money on this truck. It runs fine. You drove it to San Francisco and back. It's fine. It's fine. Put duct tape over the light that keeps coming on. Just buy tires and gas. <laughs> tires and gas, baby. If you, if you were in an AA meeting, they'd say, you're, you know, you're creating wreckage in your life. Am I creating wreckage by, by being smart? <laughs> Listen. What, why did they? Why, let me tell you something. Why did they make cars computers? Is there a reason? Weren't cars just fine before they were computers? I, I, I can tell you why. Because people figured out how to work on cars, and this way, you need a computer that you can plug into the car to figure out what's wrong with it. So you can't just go to your buddy down the street. It's all analyzed. There was something. Yeah, there was something. There was the craziest thing. Because remember, I had that. I had, you know, it was getting older, that Volkswagen station wagon that I loved so much. And I remember being at the, the, my guy here in Laverne. He's the greatest mechanic. And I remember saying, well, there was something like if you push the gas on too much, it flooded out. And I said, listen, and he said, you need this whole thing. It's $208 for the part, 150 for labor. I was like, 500 bucks? Come on, I can just not push on the gas so hard, dude. Help me out here. <laughs> and I remember, and the hood was up. And I said, just like take the air filter out. And he goes, what are you talking about? I go, listen, I had this same problem when I was in high school where my carburetor would flood out and I took the air filter out so that it wasn't sucking, it could suck more air and it ran like that for years. So it was fine. Just take the air filter out. And he goes, Bob, he goes, Bob, this car doesn't have a carburetor. I said, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> right, it's the all injected. The car doesn't have a carburetor. <laughs> Mike, do you know that these cars don't have carburetors? Yeah, fuel injectors. Yeah, the, it's all so that we don't have air pollution, Bob. It's the EPA standard. Uh, it's also we can't work on it. We can't fix it ourselves. But I get it. I understand that. Back they, when they, I was a kid driving a car, there was three things that could go wrong. 
You could be out of oil, out of water, out of gas. <laughs> Make sure those things are cool and you can go wherever you want. But how I have, you know, touch wood. I haven't, I, my cars used to break down all the time when I was a kid. How often was my car, people's cars broke down all the time. That doesn't happen all the time anymore. Yeah. Well, you, you don't can... tape over the lights, Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> tape over the lights. You know what's good? I'm, I'm looking out my window at my beautiful uh, 1994 RV. You know what? That fucking thing has a carburetor. God damn I it. I bet you does. There's no computer in that fucking thing. You know, you and cut on the muffler fine. and take out the air filter and it'll be a race truck. Uh, did I tell you guys we had to move the trampoline because all the preschool kids wanted to go on the trampoline? I was scared of getting sued. Yeah, so we course. moved it down into the ditch, which is right below the RV. So now the RV has become my hangout spot when the kids go on the trampoline. I'm just inside, you know, being an old man in my RV. I don't even have to drive anywhere. I spent like four hours out there last weekend just hanging out in the <laughs> RV, you know, make sure all the lights work, make sure the TV works. I bought new headphones for the TV. That, that was, you know, I, that thing is a money pit, isn't it? I bought two. Two sets of headphones. Do you think that the mothers are all sitting there going, "What's he doing out there in that RV?" Anyway, I'm just, I'm just. No, I well, just like you know, I just like being in it. I always think like I'm in my RV. The kids are well, jumping on the trampoline. Well, and where you live, you got all those trees and stuff around you. It probably feels like camping. If I did it in my yard, it'd be. It would look like total pedophile moves. <laughs> yeah you know also i i it, you know it's been cold the last couple months you know that it was snowing it's here today it's it was freezing. snowing snowing how about it was snowing in claremont that's for awesome. like five minutes really? and it was hailing and so uh and so it's been really cold so i was out there whatever the first cold day was monday or whatever i was out there it was cold in that rv so i decided i'm gonna fire this fucker up and turn the heat on there's no heat in the back I, I couldn't figure it out. Oh, they didn't tell you <laughs> that. There's only heat by the two fucking drivers. Up in the seat. cab. There's no heat in the back. It wasn't in the end. Just, just use charcoal. Well, I mean, how much? That's only going to come up like three months out of the year. So nine months out of the year, it's, it's fine. But it was cold as a motherfucker in there. Are you Bob, is there, a, is there a generator in that thing? Yeah, but it's so loud. I don't like to have it on. It really feels like the whole thing's going to blow up when I turn that thing on. Isn't there generators that are quiet that you can buy at Home Depot, like Honda yep, generators? there is. In yep. fact, Costco, if you go to Costco right now, there's one on sale for $349. That's usually $449. And so when you go camping, if I ever would, which I know I'm never going you, to. You hook that thing up and put that, it Lay out. You put it. You put it out in the underneath out. the tree, and you run it, and you can watch. How TV do you know and, so much about Winnebago's? You don't have one. I like camping. I have, um, you know, I have my Volkswagen van that I'm setting up to go, you know, to go camping, and you can't even hear when that generator is on. It's so fucking loud. It's right behind the driver's seat. You know, you can and also buy replacements that go in the slot where that one is. You can pull that one out, find one that'll fit in there, and put it in, and it's a brand new, quieter. More sort quieter? Of, yep, Are they, they quiet? Make, yeah. That's you what know you what mean. it sounds like? It sounds like a 60s lawnmower. You know the things you had to pull yeah. the crank? That's, That's what it sounds good. like. How can you enjoy outdoors? Not not that I go anywhere camping outdoors. <laughs> well, but how if I day. were to go to Joshua Tree and crank that motherfucker in Joshua Tree National Park camping with my children, it would ruin the whole effect of it. 
Oh, Aren't yeah, it, isn't it supposed to be charging batteries and then you run off the batteries and then when the batteries get low, then you run the generator to charge the batteries? I'm not that RV efficient. I don't even know what you said. <laughs> and you're not talking to the guy at the RV store. <laughs> and then I'm the least mechanical person I know. So we th- uh, we shouldn't even be having this discussion between you and me, Bob. I did buy a coffee maker. <laughs> I bought one of those Crueg coffee makers, like the little pod. You can have coffee. Mm-hmm. And um, and I got a converter because it's right next to one of the um, the lighter plugs, right? So I get this converter and I plug in the coffee maker. I turn it on. It blows everything up. It blew out the thing. And so then I looked at the <laughs> box of the converter and it's 300 watts and the coffee maker is 1400 watts. Oh, Something yeah. was terribly wrong with that. <laughs> For you at home, you can't you can't run a fourteen hundred watt coffee maker through a three hundred watt no uh, breaker cigarette Breaker's lighter switch. thing. You Breaker. can't do that. Uh, so I learned hmm. that I learned that a couple of days ago. Now I'm trying to figure out what to do with the coffee maker. What, well, Bob, what is stopping you from running a, a large uh, extension cord? I don't know where to plug it in. Somebody else, one of the fathers from the preschool said, you know, there's got to be a place where you can just run an extension cord and everything runs, including the air conditioning. And I was like, mm-hmm. exactly. do you know where that is? And he walked around the RV and he was like, I'm not, I, I don't know that much about these, meaning these 1994. You could find it. It should be easy <laughs> to find. It's somewhere on the interweb. I bet that information's guy, this there. This is a guy like, this is a guy like, he's like 40 years old. He's like, I don't even know if I was born when this was built. (laughs) (laughs) Let me tell you the concept around that is, is if you go camping, the campsites and the campgrounds that you go to have a place where you can plug your RV in and have electrical access. No, but that's at those gross ones by the freeway. They don't have that up in Joshua Tree National Park. Oh, no, no, Joshua Tree, you need to get the one that I was talking about where you run it from outside and it's outside. I did the totals. I'm already 10,700 in you guys and we're not going anywhere in it. Do you really think I should spend another another 350 bucks? (laughs) Well, once you get it all finished, I'll be happy to give you five for it. I know. I know. I thought thought that. Well, that that first time I told you when we drove to the desert, it was rattling so loud and I felt like it was falling apart. I felt like parts of it were falling out on the freeway. Mm -hmm. Uh, I thought about selling it. And then I thought, like, I'm 10 grand into this. I don't know that it was worth five when I bought it. I don't know that it's worth five now. Do I take right. a $5,000 <laughs> loss on it and not tell anybody? Or do I just keep it and not use it? And I chose to keep it and not use it, gentlemen. Thank you very much. Very good. Thank you, I will say this one very more time. Good. What I said at the beginning is, is do you imagine how many uh, weekends you could have had in a rented nice RV? The problem of that is I have such bad credit. I only have... Uh, 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 I don't have a real credit card. I have an ATM uh, credit card. Like a sunglasses hut. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think you have to have a real credit card to do that. I'm pretty oh, sure. Okay. Unless they change the rules. Well, so you're stuck with the uh, $10,000 albatross. I'm a cash on the barrel head, son. I'm a uh-huh. cash on the barrel head. You Fuck didn't tell them who you card. were? You didn't tell them who you were? Well, I thought about I could run and and like get seven hundred bucks and put it in, and then then I'd only have eight dollars. Like that wouldn't be good. You weren't carrying a copy of Bob and the Monster. 
<laughs> seen my money? He seen my movie? <laughs> you know what would be smart for those places? Because it really is. You do have to put a big deposit down. Are you Chuck? Do you know this? They no, I've to, never done it. They have to put a hold on your credit card. So I said, I think I said at a certain point, well, I'll give you my car keys. I'm going to be back. Like, I'm not like, you know, and I got a nice, I had the uh, Volkswagen, brand new Volkswagen station wagon at the time. And I told the guy, hey, is there a way I can just leave you my car keys or my or my registration <laughs> or whatever? Want that that guy wagon. looked at me like I was out of my mind <laughs> and my car was worth as you know my car was worth 10 grand like how much can the rv be worth a lot but you know they're they're looking a gift horse in the mouth because you would have been able to tell people and you could have said you know what? we're thinking about doing this with our clients at our treatment facility is taking them out on the road putting a counselor in the in the rv and taking them up to joshua tree for a week and we wanted to use your company did but- i tell you about the retreat i did in joshua tree no. How about this? I did a retreat. So I was trying to figure out how to make extra money when I got, you know, when I was at Lost and Seen This. And I had all these people that had stayed sober like a year, but they were hitting that wall and they were kind of bummed out. And uh, I said, why don't we get, all get together and have a retreat out in Joshua Tree at my house? So I arranged the whole thing. I charged uh, $400 for Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It was like six people. And I took them to the flats and, uh, east of 29 Palms, and we went rock climbing in Joshua Tree Park, and and uh, we we talked about, it and I shared a lot of the stuff Gloria said and whatever. It's just one of the most one of the coolest weekends ever. Then we had a big meal together that we all cooked at my house. It was just like everything that a retreat should be, and it was really cool, and it was fun, and everything. Chuck, to this day. Five of those six people are still sober. Only and, and one of them, and all four of them have stayed sober this entire 20 years, right? Mm-hmm. Or 16, 17 years. Uh, one of them relapsed and has been sober like 10 years. And then one of them's been struggling. We don't know where he is or whether he's sober or not, but but last I heard he was still trying, right? How about that? How about my success rate for retreats? Is I have a 60% success rate that you stay sober for life if you go to the Bob Forrest retreat. Maybe How about maybe, that? maybe that's something we got to do. We, we got to get another property out. A there. Bob Forrest retreat. And uh, but don't you think doing it again will lower my odds probably? Oh yeah. That it'll it'll oh, yeah. reduce the success rate <laughs> tremendously. Yeah. I would imagine. Time. So Next I can either it might be 30, 30, say, 70. Yeah, I run retreats. I run retreats and my retreats have a 60% lifetime success, sober success rate. Well, you can do do it based based on previous trips. Based on previous trips. Previous groups have had a 60% success rate at staying sober over a decade. We can do it, guys. Maybe that's what we need to do. <laughs> maybe we, and maybe that'll bring in a use for the RV. I could get the, the retreat to pay me a rental fee on the RV. Tune in next time. I want you guys to think about, let's do a three-day retreat in Joshua Tree, a sober retreat. Don't die sober retreat. And, <laughs> and, we'll get, and, and if it's like the first one, six out of, uh, I mean, four out of six people are going to stay sober for the rest of their lives. How if you can't pay cost? 400 bucks for that, you, I don't know what you, you can pay 400 dollars for. Wow. How about that's 400 a, that's bucks like... for guaranteed lifetime sobriety? <laughs> 
We could bring him a, a we could bring a big AA. screen TV and my generator at least watch some movies on the big screen. How about this? How about this? We should really I'm really serious we got to do this. Can you imagine the people sitting in that RV going, "Are we going to make it?" As it rattles down the road. <laughs> We need a get together Friday night a bonfire barbecue thing. Then we need mm -hmm. something special in the morning on Saturday, something in the afternoon, evening to go do. Then Sunday morning, we'll have like a big get together and whatever. And so we only really need like five things and let's and, do it. And a big donate if you want to. Yeah, we'll pass yeah. a hat. Yeah, no, this is fun. I, I yeah, because I don't know who listens to this. I wonder. Let's get right. together. Let's have a Don't Die podcast retreat. Okay, cool. Good night, everybody. Right, see you guys. Good talking to you see you later, you guys. <laughs> Good night. Bye. Good night. Don't die. Buddy. Hey, this is Bob, and you can get a hold of Aloe Treatment Centers at 888-595-0235. That's Aloe Treatment Centers in Malibu and Silver Lake. 888-595-0235. Tell them Bob told you to call.